As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible, Welcome to Anything is The Boston Celtics Podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And the Celtics have evened up the series one to one, completely blowing out. The Miami Heat 127 to 102, absolutely destroying the Miami Heat and the return of Marcus Smart and Al Horford turned out to be huge for the Boston Celtics who played a smothering brand of defense and absolutely just smothered I said that twice, smothering Brandon Decent, who smothered the Miami Heat, who just really struggled to score the basketball. The Celtics had an amazing shooting performance from three-point land, shooting 50%, 20 of 40, whereas the Miami Heat only shot 44% from the field and were 10 of 34 from deep. This game was basically over. After a couple minutes in the uh, going into the fourth quarter, Marcus Smart on his uh, return to the lineup just had an amazing performance. 24 points, 12 assists, 9 rebounds, and he really set the tone early with his playmaking. The Celtics did not have the same struggles they had in Game 1 where they only had, uh, only had 9 turnovers in this game. And you just saw with the return of Marcus Smart and Al Horford, the switching that the Celtics could do on defense, the Heat could not do anything on offense. There was really no stretch of this game where the Heat looked like they uh, had a, a solid offense or were able to get into a flow. The Heat came out and I think they hit the first of the four of their first five shots but then after that, the Celtics completely clamped down. The ball movement was fantastic, and the Celtics just continued to make threes. And it was just a dominant performance from the Celtics throughout the entire game. Uh, in the first half, they go up 70 to 45, and it was just the Celtics basically needed this game. They needed this performance, but they've retaken home court advantage. The series goes back to Boston, tied 1-1. The, the Celtics will have three games at home, games three, four, and six, and they have the chance to take this series and take it to the NBA Finals. I want to hear from you guys, uh, anyone here in this live room, going right after tip-off, not waiting for Jay King. Who knows what Jay King would say, but nothing useful. So please, if you want to talk and get your questions in, raise your hands now, uh, and we'll, I'll try to get to as, as many callers as possible. Um, Again, I just think the the biggest thing that stuck out to me from this game was the Celtics, how dominant the Celtics defense was. Uh, they had a lot of struggles in the first game against Tyler Hero specifically, but I think also you saw late in the in game one in that fourth quarter 
where Peyton Pritchard was on the court and the Celtics really couldn't switch a lot of the, the pick and roll actions or a lot of the things that the Heat were doing. And this Heat were targeting either Peyton Pritchard or Tyler Hero was able to get downhill against the Celtics bigs. You return with Marcus Smart and Al Horford back into the lineup and you just, the, the Celtics defense we've grown accustomed to seeing throughout the, the last three months was back. They switch everything. There's a couple times where they tried to challenge Robert Williams. He had three blocks. Uh, there really was not that much the cell, uh, the Heat could do. And another thing that with a return to Marcus Smart and Al Horford is it pushes Grant Williams to the bench. Uh, and he's able to come into the games and kind of relieve Robert Williams and you still are able to do that full switching one through five lineup and the heat just felt really stifled in terms of how they could create how many possessions did it feel like just ended with Gabe Vincent driving to the lane and Al Horford being right there to to stop his momentum and really just slow things down the the heat did have a nice kind of like run there where they got a little bit going in the third quarter but the Celtics were up so big that, uh, then, and they were kind of, kind of slowed down their progress and were able to push it back up to around 25 to end the third quarter. It's great find, sign for the Celtics. I imagine the, the, the C's are not going to shoot 50% from three it, moving forward. Like there was some, just some insane shot making from the Celtics, especially from three tonight. I think. Jason Tatum knocked down a three where it looked like he was falling down. Marcus Smart knocking down some some step back threes. Uh, but I thought the Celtics did a pretty good job of getting good looks. They're being very patient on offense, which I think is very important for them. Um, being patient, moving the ball around, uh, just getting some decent looks. The shot making again, like I said, I think it's a, a they're probably going to regress to the mean there, but. If their defense continues to hold up like this, I think they have a, an amazing shot to just moving forward in this series just because I don't know what exactly the adjustment is for the Heat to get their offensive going. Like we saw some moments there in the third quarter where all the Heat could really do was attack with Jimmy Butler and I'm fine with Jimmy Butler going one-on-one against this Celtics team. The Celtics just have enough good defenders, enough size um, on the court where, especially with the starters in the game, there's no place for Jimmy Butler to attack. Like It feels like Jalen Brown is the defender that the the Heat are trying to pick on, but Jalen Brown is, what, 6'6", and one of the more athletic defenders in the league, and he struggles on defense, but that's mostly in off-ball situations. I'm f- perfectly fine with Jalen Brown as an on-ball defender, and it just felt like the Celtics uh, really made everything that the Heat did on offense uh, incredibly difficult. Jimmy Butler still finished with 29 points. You have to give him credit. 11 for 18. That's an incredibly efficient performance, but no one else on the Heat roster did anything uh, really of value. Gabe Vincent, 14 points, was 4 of 8 from uh, 3 I'm, as a Celtics fan, am fine with any Gabe Vincent shot that he wants to take. That was perfectly fine with me. Oladipo also had 14 points. I feel like a lot of that was a garbage time. Tyler Hero, 11 points. Again, just not this kind of scoring we saw from him in game one. And I still think the Celtics could do more switching than they did. It feels like they were a little scared to to switch on, on Hero, Bam, pick and rolls, which I think... There's no reason to get away from the bread and butter of just like what has made the Celtics defense so good this year. Uh, but they're a little scared to put uh, Robert Williams or uh, Al Horford out on Tyler Hero. But I think you, you got to trust in your bigs and I think they can even be better there. My main man, Kevin O'Connor from the Ringer, has been talking about the switching a lot uh, tonight um, and just talking about how much they, they were switching and how just like that is the, the hardest defense to score on. And I think the Celtics do an amazing job of that. The Heat are also one of the teams that switches, but I think the Celtics, uh, especially Jason Tatum and his, just how efficient Jason Tatum was in the first half and Marcus Smart being able to move the basketball and distribute the basketball really punished the Heat when they had their mismatches. Uh, I'm just looking at the first half box score now where basically the Celtics won this game in the first half, taking out that giant, um, 70 to uh, 45 lead, but Jason Tatum had 20 points in that first half on seven of 10 shooting, incredibly efficient, three of 10 from deep. Marcus Smart had seven assists, Jalen Brown, 15 points in that first half. And just the Celtics ball movement, 16 assists, 24 makes. 
is just uh, phenomenal to see. And I think the, a huge number there is only four turnovers. We saw the Celtics, I mean, the Heat completely changed this series or changed the, the game one by coming up and really um, creating some intense ball pressure in, in ga- uh, the third quarter of game one. And the Celtics just had t- dumb turnover after dumb turnover. They kind of got sloppy at some moments tonight. We were at some points kind of lucky to keep the ball uh, in points where it could have turned into turnovers. But I just think they did a better job of being patient, trusting the offense, getting better shots. And it really paid dividends for them um, where they uh, were just able to jump out to a huge lead. And they just really never looked back. There was that one brief moment in the third quarter where it looked like the Heat might go on a run, but the Celtics answered. And... Boom. They have a 1-1 series heading back to Boston. They have taken home court and things have to be looking up for the Celtics. Um, I know I'm riding the ga- uh, the highs of after uh, winning a blowout game. And so I imagine the Heat will will come back because they are a fo- uh, still a formidable opponent. But it's really hard to figure out what exactly the formula is for the Heat to try and figure out this Celtics defense. A defense that has been the most dominant in basketball dating back to early January 2020. And so I think there's plenty of reasons to be excited for if you're a Celtics fan. Again, if you're here in the live room, I want to hear from you. So please feel free to press that raise hand button. I'll try to get to as many people as possible. We'll start off now with our mainest man, one of the most consistent, energetic callers we've had in the longest time. Joshua B, come on down. Joshua B. Talk to me. So much to say, but I think we should say it all, Joshua B. There's no limits tonight, baby. A 30 point win. Awesome. Great. That's everything I need to hear. Um, Speaking of everything I need to hear, do you think, and this is just a hypothetical, do you think that Max Struess fell on his ass at some point (laughs) when he was with the Celtics and that's what caused us to to let him go to Miami and then he was redeemed and then he fell on his ass again? Because that's what I, I don't mean. know. The Struess was loose tonight, but not in the way he's normally loose. Marcus no Smart absolutely put it. him on the ground. Absolutely put him on the on ground. The top, while we're on the topic of white guys who can't play defense on us, let's talk a little bit more about Davis Bertans, who was just a – he was a turnstile. I Davis Bertans? I, I love – or not Davis Bertans. What am I saying? Duncan Robinson. <laughs> Tyler Hero? Duncan no, Robinson. I, I, I confuse two white guys who are supposedly great shooters and just turnstiles on defense. I live in Washington, D.C. I have a lot of experience with turnstiles <laughs> in the metro. And I'm telling you that those turnstiles hold up better on defense than Duncan Robinson did. I mean, like, anytime they put Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson on the court at the same time – I know we have this, like, saying of, like, that's barbecue chicken – that's really barbecue chicken. There is absolutely no way on God's green earth that this Miami team is going to be able to hold up against the Celtics without P.J. Tucker. I don't care if they get Kyle Lowry back at 70% or what, what adjustments they make. If they lose P.J. Tucker, then one of Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum will be able to go off at any time. Additionally, I think that in this series, you've been able to see Duncan Robinson, not Duncan Robinson, Peyton Pritchard play on a consistent basis. And what that really does is it opens up um, our rotations. It opens up like all of our guys to be significantly fresher. You know, without Marcus Smart and without Al Horford, we still won the fourth quarter. We still won the first and second quarter of that game. Our big weakness that was exposed in the Milwaukee series is that we have trouble bringing the ball past half court when we're being unfocused or when we're being lazy, depending on which adjective you want to use to describe the way we brought the ball up. But that's not a weakness if we have Marcus Smart and Al Horford. And if we stay focused, then you can't even attack that weakness. I really don't see the adjustment. Like, I really don't. Yeah. No, I I agree with you, Josh. I'm trying to figure out exactly how – the Heat kind of what they do on offense to try and like figure out this Celtics defense. I think the answer has to be, it's got to be Jimmy Butler being phenomenal and Bam Adebayo. He's, he's supposed to be an all-star. He's supposed to be at one of the more dominant centers in this league. He just cannot get away with, with six shots, but like you also understand what's happening there where it's like, you're asking him to play, just aggressive basketball against Al Horford, against Robert Williams. And I think some of the, 
he's being swung. I'm sorry. I, I like he's like flying everywhere on the court. I mean, I've never seen like I've seen chickens with their heads cut off who run around less than what Bam Adebayo is. Like on defense, this guy is just going everywhere. And I mean, you could say, well, it's because of the, you know, it's because Robert Williams or Al Horford is sort of spreading him out. But he's trying to contest everything and, you know, ultimately being not the Bam Adebayo that we know because he's just flying around everywhere. I mean, if he had, if they, I, I, I said before the series that I thought that the way that the Heat would, you know, be most effective would be if they stayed in their sets, right? If they stayed in their offensive sets and just played calm basketball. But I remember, I have a long enough memory to remember that Jimmy Butler um, exploded at Eric Spolstra when they stayed in their sets and they fell behind. And there's nothing different going on here. Like the moment they fell behind, there was frustration. Jimmy Butler's rubbing his forehead on the bench thinking, what the fuck did I get myself into? And like, you can't play that way. You're certainly not going to be able to come back against the Celtics when the Celtics have gotten down in every series, right? In every series, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, when we were down 16, everything about the Celtics is if you push us down, we will climb back. We may not win, but we will make it competitive. And nothing about the Heat has shown any kind of resiliency. There really isn't an adjustment to make here, Jam. Like this is the kind of this is the kind of series that may end in five. I picked Celtics in six, and I'll stick with that because I respect Eric Spolstra. But I don't really see an adjustment. I mean, especially if Max Struess is going to guard from his ass. As and I mean that literally. I don't mean that like figuratively. I mean that literally. Like if he's going to spend more time on the ground than he does standing up, then I don't even know what we're doing here. Do you? I'm open. I'm open to hear. I'm open to hear like what, like what you think the adjustment is. I mean, Gabe Vincent played his butt off, and he can't stay in front of Jalen Brown all one on one. It's not doable. There's one guy. It's Jimmy Butler. Bam Adebayo is flying. I don't even know what the defensive adjustments are for um, Miami because Bam is trying to be everywhere at once. I actually don't think Bam was the worst player. I know that everyone's going to pick on him tomorrow. But I don't think the whole loss was really on Bam. I think that if you're playing with Tyler Hero, you're playing four on five defensively, right? No, I, I, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's I think it's great, uh, great points, Joshua, and I appreciate uh, appreciate the call. Uh, We're sorry, I don't mean to dominate the time. I, I I just wanted to tell you that ever since you let me up here after that Mavericks loss, when the refs gave. Um, away, <laughs> gave that away. Um, I've just, I've been wanting to say that any game that isn't refereed by Tony um, Brothers or Scott Foster, we have a real chance of winning. And that if anybody <laughs> really wants to extend these series, they're really going to have to keep the refs. Oh, uh, you, you better believe that Scott Foster is going to be ref in Game Three. But Joshua, thank you for your input. I thought it brought up a lot of good points. I. Thought Bam was like pretty decent, like on the defensive end, but I, I agree. I just don't know exactly what the the adjustment is for the Heat. I don't necessarily think the Celtics are just going to march to the next three wins. I think the Heat are too good, and the Celtics shooting in this game was um, could be seen as kind of an outlier. And once the Celtics get up by twenty five, it might be difficult like to kind of uh, get back into the game, but. We saw this, uh, the Miami just kind of junk it up with a zone in the third quarter, which I actually think the Celtics responded quite well to, which is actually a, a delight to see because we know how much the zone um, messed them up in that 2020 year in the bubble, uh, especially against the Heat and against the um, Nick Nurse and the Toronto Raptors. But I thought the Celtics did a good job of passing out of that zone and uh, attacking the middle and Jason Tatum getting to the line. The thing that... Uh, it brought up was very important is PJ Tucker left this game with an injury. If the heat don't have PJ Tucker, I just don't know what their answer is because I think he is one of the better defenders, a wing defenders in the league and just can present a lot of size to Jason Tatum and make Jason Tatum's life a little bit difficult. He did not necessarily do that tonight as Jason Tatum, as I mentioned, had 20 points in the first half with PJ Tucker playing all of that time. But without that, like this, the Heat's lineup issues just become much more problematic. You mentioned like this, the struggles they had on defense. Like they, it feels like they need to rely on Tyler Hero to get kind of their scoring going. And he played 23 minutes tonight, 
was a minus 33. And it just feels like he's a, definitely a liability and someone who the, the Celtics are easily able to target. If Tyler, if PJ Tucker can't go, I don't know who they really replace him with. Maybe it's Caleb Martin, but the lack of heat depth there, I think becomes a huge problem for them. Maybe, maybe Kyle Lowry comes back and kind of gives them more offense as he did in that final kind of heat Celtics matchup at the game at the regular season where he had a lot of threes off the dribble and kind of provided them with that offensive boost. But I don't know. I, it's, it's hard to judge these games after a 30 point blowout, uh, 25 point blowout. Sorry, I'm being accurate, but it's, it's with the Celtics when they're playing this well on defense, when you just see them so locked in in the second quarter and able to go from their starter lineup and bring in Grant Williams, just kind of give Rob Williams and just not lose any of the defense. And then even bring in Peyton Pritchard, who normally they, it feels like the, the Heat were extremely targeting him, but Peyton Pritchard is a plus 39 game high plus 39 in this game. Uh, still scored 10 points, but he just plays extremely hard on the defensive end in the Heat. Uh, whether it was the Celtics doing some pre switches to get Peyton Pritchard out of the main thing, but. Even with their switch-heavy defense, the Heat don't have a lot of players who can take advantage of that one-on-one matchup. And so if it's... And there weren't a lot of possessions that resulted in Jimmy Butler going at Peyton Pritchard. It's like the the Heat run a lot of actions and stuff off ball to and dribble handoffs to get these kind of guys like Struess and Gabe Vincent taking threes. Both those guys, Struess was 2 of 7 tonight. Gabe Vincent was 4 of 8. Like... The shots they took, I think, tonight for the Celtics are a win. And I think with all the switching the Celtics do and how versatile and how big the Celtics are on defense. The Marcus Smart, the defensive player of the year, is the smallest guy on the court for when they're playing their starters. I just think that makes a huge difference with just the ease of which the Miami can get shots. And so, please, if anyone out there has raised their hand and and tells me what the adjustment is, I'm all ears, but I have not been able to to figure it out in these short few minutes uh, after the final whistle. But... Right now, we'll go to Ryan O. Ryan O is joining us here on Anything is Potable. Thanks, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I, I'm doing real good after this game. but <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, um, I guess a couple things. One, you kind of touched on it with Josh. I'm kind of curious as to, you know, game one, it seemed like Miami was hunting Pritchard out constantly and getting whatever they wanted, especially in the third quarter there. Obviously, tonight that was better. I don't know how much of that was a product of, smart being back and him not having to be leaned on as much versus just Pritchard playing better and my, and Boston kind of making adjustments to kind of protect him a little bit. What did you, what do you think you saw as far as that? I think it one Al Horford being back helps a lot because there's like, there's a lot you can do with Peyton Pritchard. Like when he's the only guy on the court that you kind of have to protect, but when you have, extended minutes with Peyton Pritchard and Daniel Tice. Like that's a situation where you just don't want either of those guys necessarily defending Jimmy Butler or Tyler Hero. And so I just think like the moments, like Peyton Pritchard only played 23 minutes tonight compared to 30 he had to play in game one. I just think they could do a much better job of uh, protecting him. And just with all the size kind of behind him, I think they're much uh, better able to kind of figure that out. And I do think Marcus Smart's return, he played 40 minutes tonight. Just the ball pressure he had and just kind of his his smarts and his kind of being the captain of the defense, I think he clearly slowed down the Heat's defense, and I thought he did a much better job of just um, bringing defensive intensity that seemed to be lacking there for the Celtics in the second half. No doubt. I mean, I think having those guys back definitely helped. I guess now the worry from – you know, the chronically paranoid Boston fan standpoint would be how much of tonight is sustainable, you know, is is the rest of the series going to be somewhere between games one and two, or is tonight what we should expect? Obviously, I don't think they're going to hit at that rate from three for the rest of the series, but I mean, can we expect something closer to game two than we do to game one? Um. That's the that's the the big question, and I appreciate the call, Ryan. I I think you can expect the Celtics to be this locked in and this uh, intense on the defensive end, just because that's what they've done. That's their reputation um, that they've kind of built and the habits they've built uh, throughout this entire year. I've talked a lot about on this podcast about 
championship habits and what you rely on when your back's against the wall. And it really felt like the Celtics' backs were against the wall in this uh, game too, where they really... I like I I saw some people describing this as a must win. I don't think it was a necessarily a must win because we've seen teams come back from being down like losing the first two games on the road. We just saw the Mavericks do that against the Suns, but it was a pretty huge game for the Celtics. And they certainly relied on their defense. They certainly relied on their ball movement tonight. And I think the Celtics you can expect the ball movement to be same or, or similar. Uh, I was really impressed with just the patience they had tonight in terms of um, not settling for the the first kind of perhaps open three and really just working the ball around and taking some threes that are maybe in the, in the later of the shot clock. With that being said, I don't know if all of them are going to fall. There were some some threes, especially there in the second quarter that I feel like I can remember where it was just felt like, oh, it, it must be the... The Celtics night, I think the, I mean, and then you also had some possessions just like the main man, Fast PP, like going one-on-one against Tyler Hero, shooting over him and then doing the too small gesture. Like I just, it really did feel like the Celtics tonight tonight. I don't know if that's necessarily going to to be the same moving forward, but I could expect like the championship habits they built up, the things that Ime has stressed this entire year, defensive intensity and ball movement is going to keep the Celtics in a lot of games. That was the kind of, I think, the most surprising thing with game one. And actually, if you think back on it, really not that like surprising because they were without Marcus Smart and Al Horford. Um, you just kind of got a little bit of false hope with how well they played in the first half. But um, with their kind of full starting lineup, their record, their net rating has been absolutely insane this entire year. They have been incredibly dominant. And so you expect them if all of those guys are healthy to kind of put themselves uh, in a position to win a game. I agree. I just don't, I don't know if the shooting is going to be there, that the, the games are going to be blowouts, but I think the games are absolutely going to be close just because the Celtics defense is that good. And the Miami Heat, especially without Kyler Lowry, their offense is just, um, has not uh, been that creative, not been a way in which, uh, not creating a lot of open looks for the team. And we just like, it felt like the Celtics were just really slowing down, uh, whatever the Heat were trying to create. Just a quick little news update. PJ Tucker is going an MRI for his left knee, uh, tomorrow morning. That's what Chris Haynes from Yahoo Sports is reporting. I think that will be huge for the Celtics. Never going to root for an injury, but if this, the Heat are without PJ Tucker, I think that's the main guy they have to slow down Jason Tatum. And he's a, if they don't have him, it's a huge blow to their depth, but we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Right now, we go to Jonathan R. Jonathan, thanks for joining us here on Anything is Potable. 
Hey, Sam, Jam, uh, appreciate you uh, doing this. I just got to say, I'm sitting here with my one-week-old daughter who has some diaper rash, and it is more impressive than what the Heat put on tonight. Uh, <laughs> well, congratulations uh, for your daughter. Not on the yeah, diaper rash, I, on the fact that uh, she exists. Yeah. That's that's more important. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I appreciate you. Uh, so I just was curious how you feel about um, the heat culture after this win. Uh, oh my god, I hate the heat culture. <laughs> that's that's all I gotta ask. I just I just want your opinion on the heat culture because there's nothing I can't stand more than Tyler Hero acting like he needs to be in a commercial with Hemsworth, with everybody acting like the heat. I, I get it. Spo, Spo is who he is. I respect a lot of the guys on the team, but they I I, I got I gotta hear the end of that. So you know. I hope maybe maybe this is the beginning of the end. Let's hope. Maybe Jimmy can blow it up. If if anyone can blow it up, and I appreciate the call, Jonathan, it's Jimmy Butler. The the anointing of Jimmy Butler over the past 48 hours has been absolutely obnoxious. And it's like, why why don't we call Jimmy Butler a superstar? Why don't we give Jimmy Butler the same treatment as everyone else? Because Jimmy Butler doesn't play like a superstar. He does. Jimmy Butler has shown up in the playoffs in 2020. He had an amazing run. He he plays very well in playoff basketball, but he does not do it consistently from night to night. He does not score consistently uh, throughout the regular season. And Jimmy Butler is kind of an asshole. (laughs) He played his way out of Chicago. He played his way out of Minnesota. He played his way out of uh, the 76ers, not because of what he did on the court. On the court, Jimmy Butler is incredibly impressive. Jimmy Butler's entire career coming from junior colleges to transferring to Marquette to being like the last pick of the first round to playing his way to like he is an incredible basketball player but he's also a just kind of an asshole and just the 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 reason that has to be some sort of reason why we don't consider Jimmy Butler a star uh, like normally you have to like have sustained success with a team, but Jimmy Butler is not able to do that with any team because he always ends up pissing people off. And like we forget that Jimmy Butler threatened to fight the entire coaching staff of the Heat and Udonis Haslam like three weeks ago. And the Heat have played a nonsense Hawks team a completely broken 76ers team. They have not really been tested at all in this playoffs. And so I would absolutely love for Heat culture to kind of take a a chopping block here. Dan Lebertard, he can go piss off. Everyone in the entire corrupt city of Miami built on uh, cocaine trafficking in the 1980s. I just don't want to hear it anymore. That being said, I've been through this before in 2020 and I've gone on rants about heat culture in 2020 and uh, heat culture beat me in 2020. And so I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, as I say all of that, as I get on my high horse, um, a little bit scared just because I do respect the hell out of Eric Spolstra. I think he's the best coach in basketball. I wouldn't be surprised if he completely goes to like a junked up zone, two two one zone, two one two zone for more of the game. Just really try to make this like a gritty, slow down game and not really allow the Celtics to get into kind of the offensive flow that they did tonight. Um, but we shall see. As that, with all that being said, I just don't think there's a, a there's a big talent gap that I don't think the the Heat can make up for, especially if PJ Tucker's hurt. And I just don't know. The Heat offense has not been good this entire season. Uh, I say that. I don't know if that's actually true. Someone's going to come back at me like, oh, they actually have the fourth best net rating or offensive rating in the league. They just don't have um, a lot of motion or like, or they're, the threes that they create or the offense that they create, it just feels like it's not as effective against this team, this Celtics team with – um, all of their size, their ability to switch, their defensive versatility, the fact that Marcus Smart can guard Bam Adebayo or that Robert Williams can come back and uh, just completely deter everything that in the paint that the Heat are trying to do or that Al Horford can come out and switch on to everyone. And so I don't know. I don't know what Heat culture's answer is going to be to this absolute blowout, but I'm prepared for uh, whatever happens.
Right now we go to Grant G. Grant, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, Sam? Uh, I just want to say that was the easiest uh, point spread money that I was <laughs> uh, ever going to make in my life. I knew it immediately. What was the What was the line before the game? It was minus two, and or it was heat favored. I'm heat sorry. favored. It was the Celtics <laughs> plus two, and I felt so confident in taking that because I mean we all knew that going into the game, we game one was kind of iffy and we couldn't hold a lead and you saw Marcus Smart and like Al Horford like their impact just like uh how they lead the team and like what they mean and it's like okay I'm hammering this it was the easiest spread to cover um not a worry after that 17-0 run I was like thank god now I can kind of relax just don't blow this (laughs) so uh I just want to say way to cover um also, I think Miami was going into a 2-1-2 zone uh, in the third quarter a lot, and that's kind of like what um, slowed us down to the third. But I just don't see it like they had to do something with P.J. Tucker out. Um, and, of course, Tyler Hero was on the – and Duncan Robinson were on the floor, so it's like <laughs> they don't really want them to be switched on to Jason Tam or Jalen Brown. And Jalen Brown just destroys that 2-1-2 every single time. So that's great to watch. So I feel very good going into uh, into Boston. I think uh, they probably are a five-point favorite. And because, I mean, for some reason, that's what they were against <laughs> the Bucks, And I never felt good about it. But I'm feeling good about whatever the line opens up at. I, I would say you you have to feel good, and I appreciate the call, Grant. Yeah, plus, in retrospect, I mean, obviously, after a 25-point win, uh, the, the plus two on the Celtics feels like an amazing bet. But the Celtics this year, especially in the playoffs in that Bucks series, responding to a loss, the Celtics this entire 2022 responding to a loss, I think they only have uh, consecutive losses once in that time frame in 2022 and that was uh I think if you guys remember the the Toronto game when they were down three starters and they like lost in overtime is the only time they've had a consecutive loss and so absolutely betting on the Celtics to come back from a, a tough game three where as Ime said they got punked in the third quarter is a pretty safe bet I think that the big question for the Celtics is can they keep it going? Can they build off a one win and not kind of uh, lose game three? Kind of can they keep the momentum going? It's going to be a fascinating game three on uh, Saturday night. We saw in that Buck series, it was loss, win, loss, win, loss, win until game seven when their kind of backs were against the road or backs against the wall. It's going to be fascinating to see what the Celtics can do uh tonight in this series and the again the pj tucker um injury is huge you're right without him in the third quarter he only played four minutes there in the third quarter and without him that's where we saw kind of the the heat go to that junking up of of the zone which has seemed to be stifled offense i actually thought the celtics being able to extend that lead back out in the third quarter after the heat went on a mini run was pretty impressive and was basically able to keep the uh the heat at bay uh both teams scored 26 points in that quarter Marcus Smart was phenomenal there he scored 11 points two threes I believe that's where he dropped Max Struess Jason Tatum I thought also did a pretty good job of attacking that zone there was that one play where he I think passed the ball to Marcus Smart and immediately cut to the middle of the zone got to the free throw line he had four free throws in that quarter Grant Williams had four free throws in that quarter Payton Pritchard, I think, came in towards the end of that quarter. It was actually a plus eight and only uh, about four minutes. Uh, he did a, a pretty good job tonight in just uh, uh, ratcheting up that defensive intensity. And I thought the Celtics did a really good job of kind of taking that punch from the heat that you knew was coming. Jimmy Butler had 16 points in that quarter. That's the thing. I think Jimmy Butler is going to get his points. Like, he's just... As much as I denigrated him for perhaps being a a, a jerk uh, previously, 
Uh, he's a very talented basketball player. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to make some tough shots. He's going to get to the line. And I think the Celtics kind of have to take that punch and then make someone else beat you. Because in this game, Jimmy Butler scored. But as I mentioned earlier, just no one else really had a game. And if Bam Adebayo is only going to take six shots, I just don't know how the heat, I just don't know how the math like kind of works itself out for the heat. It's going to be a very fascinating to see what adjustments they come up with in between games two and three. I think it's going to be interesting. Derek White will be back. Shout out to Derek White for um, having his son. I think he also named his son Hendricks, which is uh, what Robert Williams named his son. But you know what? Congratulations, Derek White. He's going to be back. And I just think it makes the Celtics depth that much better. And it's another lineup where you can put a guy in. You can give someone like Jalen or Jason a rest and still not have any defensive liabilities. And so I think it's the, the Celtics kind of at full strength are certainly a team to be reckoned with. And Celtics fans certainly have a reason to be optimistic moving forward. Right now we go to Tony B. Tony B, how are you doing? And thank you for joining us here on Anything is Potable. Hey, how's it going, man? Um, so I think you've kind of uh, touched on a few things about what they, the Heat may do to sort of react to that. But I, I really think that Emei did a fantastic job. In the first quarter, I immediately saw that that aggressive ball, on-ball defense, we started doing um, – we started taking sort of those backdoor cuts. And that, I think, gets them off a little bit. And that obviously got us points. And then the biggest thing for me, though, is we didn't fall for Jimmy Butler's bump fake and we didn't foul him right away. So, like, what adjustments do you think Spolstra is going to do in game three to that? I've heard zone and I don't know that that's really going to help them as much. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. Um, I've been trying to, to figure it out here. I think they have to do uh, and thanks for the call, Tony. I think they have to do. A little bit more to get Bam involved against kind of the Celtics smaller guys. And so if the Celtics are going to switch things to be more deliberate about having Bam go against, I was going to say Marcus Smart just because he's the smallest guy on the court, but Marcus Smart is clearly like one of the better post defenders for especially at his size in this league, but maybe going against Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, Bam getting kind of action of Bam rolling to the rim um, and just getting him more involved in the offense. I think the more involved, the more aggressive Bam is, it kind of opens up the rest of their game. Then he can kind of pop out. Like the, the thing that's interesting to me is how much space they're giving Bam and how much like, especially when Grant Williams is in the game, he's basically playing off and inviting him to shoot. And I don't think Bam's necessarily going to shoot, but you would think they would run more kind of, Dribble handoffs where uh, guys could come off and, and knock down shots, maybe whether that's Struess, whether that's Vincent or Hero. We did see Duncan Robinson play tonight in um, 0 for 4 from 3, which is an absolute delight to see because uh, personally I don't care for Duncan Robinson. But um, I think they, they have to kind of get their, their ball movement um, better. And I just think Bam has to be better for the Celtics uh, or for the Heat to kind of have better offense. I do think it's very important, like compared to the free throws in game one and game two for Jimmy Butler, only eight free throw attempts tonight for Butler where something like 18 in game one. The Celtics did a very good job of not biting on the pump fakes, just letting Jimmy Butler go one-on-one and make some difficult shots, which he's certainly capable of doing. The other thing that just like stuck out to me tonight was they kind of got back to what, made them so good in the regular season, which was you had Al Horford on the big, uh, which was Bam. And then you were able to put Rob Williams in the corner on PJ Tucker and just kind of let him roam. And I thought it just deterred a lot of the the Heat's drives all night. We saw PJ Tucker. I think he scored the first five points of the game because he was left open in the corner and then he drove a closeout. But then after that, it's like any PJ Tucker shot, is is a win for the Celtics. And he was two for six tonight. Yeah, so he made his first two shots and then was 0 for four and really couldn't do much after that. And basically just having Robert Williams being able to float and deter anything going to the paint, I thought was uh, was huge for the Celtics defense. So anytime the Heat were able to get an advantage, there was Robert Williams 
um, just doing an amazing job of, of shutting things down. And then you just saw the Heat just have some some desperate possessions where they're forcing shots in the corner. Robert Williams gets another block. Um, it really just felt like there there was no great options for the Heat tonight. And I think that's uh, exactly uh, what the Celtics want and exactly what the Celtics have done this entire year, just with their size, their versatility. There is no weak link. And I think it was just uh, very impressive uh, what they were able to do tonight to the Heat offense. And so if there is a, a, an answer, I don't know if I have enough of a basketball mind. I'm looking at Marcus Smart right now appearing on uh, ESPN. I first thought he's wearing a lime green shirt that is uh, one is fantastic. At first, I thought it was a bunch of the Pokemon Metapod, but uh, up close right now, uh, I don't think that is the case. But that just shows you how much of a giant nerd I am. Um, Anyone else is, uh, uh, we are, well, the, the lines are open. So if anyone else wants to get their last thoughts in the game, uh, feel free to kind of press that raise hand button right now. Otherwise, I'll, I'll wrap up here. Just looking over the, the final box score. The story of the game has to be the return of Marcus Smart. I thought his, his playmaking on offense, uh, especially in the first half, seven assists and the Celtics were seven of seven on kind of his passes. He just did a, a phenomenal job of, of setting the offense up, being that steady person, not turning the ball over, which is so key for the Celtics to be successful in the playoffs, not turning the ball over. I thought he did an amazing job, um, whether it's throwing lobs to uh, Rob Williams um, or just uh, setting up Jason Tatum for backdoor cuts. I just thought him, he had a very quiet first half in terms of actual his shot profile. I think he missed an outrageous number of shots, which is kind of classic. Yeah, he was two for 11 in the first half, but still had seven points, seven assists, and five rebounds. He, he poured on the points in the second half with kind of his three-point sh- uh, shooting as he's wont to do. But I thought him was it immediately a steadying factor uh, on the offensive end, which I certainly think the Celtics needed. And then they just got pretty, very solid games from Jason Tatum, eight of 13, Four of six from deep for 27 points. Jalen Brown, mid-range shot. I think Jalen Brown definitely struggled in game one. And uh, I think he still kind of struggles with his handle and still makes some some questionable decisions, especially when he gets into the paint. But his mid-range game is such a, a safety valve for the Celtics. And he shot the ball just brilliantly tonight. Um, I guess not as efficient, but still was over 40% or over 50% from the field, 9 of 17, and then knocked down some huge threes. There was one in the first half where I said, oh no, that's a terrible shot by Jalen, and they exploded out and just screamed out, downtown Jalen Brown, when he knocked down some deep threes. I just think his shooting ability and his ability to bounce back from um, what was not a great game one performance is huge for the Celtics. He finished the game with 24 points, um, and I just thought that the Celtics got just solid contributions from everyone on the roster. Looking at right now, how the hell did Grant Williams score 19 points? Uh, I guess it was for the, the seven of eight from the free throw line, and he did do a pretty good job of attacking, but, and he knocked down his two threes. Uh, but that was, I guess, kind of surprising to see. He was a plus 39, uh, Peyton Pritchard, like I mentioned earlier, plus 30, uh, or Grant was plus 37, Pritchard was plus 39. I think that's another huge thing. If the Celtics bench can be that Good. And of course, it's going to be that much better when you move Grant Williams to the bench and you kind of get those effective uh, minutes from Payne Pritchard. But if they can dominate versus, uh, I guess, Tyler Hero and Dwayne Dedman, I mean, yeah, that's like the thing. It's like Dwayne Dedman's going to have to play 10 to 12 minutes in every game. And I feel like that's a win for the Celtics. I, I guess Victor Oladipo is a nice story, but I just don't, I'm, he doesn't, I don't really fear Victor Oladipo. Caleb Martin, him and his brother, I, I, they're very solid players, but especially if uh, if Kyle Lowry does not come back in the series, I just think the Celtics have a, an advantage on um, the depth on this team, and there's no real weaknesses you can attack, whereas the Heat, even their bench has weaknesses in Tyler Hero, and their starting lineup, there's a lot of credit given to the Heat. It's like, oh, they've created these players like Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. They're getting a lot of production out of them, but when it comes down to the playoffs— I don't know. Like every time Gabe Vincent took a shot tonight, I was celebrating. Even if it goes in, it just feels like I am fine. If Gabe Vincent and Max Struess beat the Celtics, that is A-OK with me. Like if if they can 
Like Jimmy Butler's going to get his points. If they can slow down Bam Adebayo and it just force the game and force the make it so it's a Max Struess and Gabe Vincent game, the Celtics have done their job. And I think they just have to, at that point, you rely on them having better players. You rely on them having Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. Um, and just, you're going to, w- you should win the game if it becomes a competition between those guys uh, and the, the Max Struces and Gabe Vincents of the world. So heat culture can kind of formulate, can pick out of these guys out of the second round or undrafted people and turn them into serviceable players. But I would, I'd much rather rely on, on Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, the kind of the top lottery picks. And it kind of sounds kind of snobby and like, Oh, only, only the top picks are the guys who will be effective in the playoffs. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm going off the rails at this point. I've run out of things to say. I've been talking for entirely too long for one person to talk. I very much appreciate everyone in tuned in, everyone who raised their hand, asked questions, contributed to the show, and uh, appreciate everyone listening out there uh, on the Athletic app. If you like the Athletic, if you want to join me on these live shows for the rest of the season, we'll hopefully get Jay King in here sometime so he can give his well-learned thoughts on the games. You can subscribe to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash anything is potable. We got deals all the time there. You can get it for like a dollar a month. Uh, and if you, if you Hector, if you just bother Jay King, uh, on Twitter, he'll, he'll give you a, a discounted subscription. He'll do it. Um, don't tell him I sent you, but if you just say, Hey man, give me a subscription, Jay King will do it. He wants you to read his articles. And that's the best place to read Jay. He really has some of the best analysis going in the game. So, Subscribe to The Athletic. Um, subscribe to this podcast, Anything is Potable. Thank you for uh, everyone who's joining uh, here on the pod. If you're enjoying the pod, give it five stars. Do all those things podcast hosts tell you to do. And normally I'm going to yell, uh, but I've completely just been talking out of my ass for really 40 minutes now. And I, I haven't planned anything, so I'm just going to say anything is potable. Anything is potable. Anything is potable. Thanks, you guys, for listening. We'll be back after game three.